All right, so this is our first session of looking at discipleship. Um, for those of you that probably don't know, what we're doing is coming out of um, this book and this resource called Rebuilt. So um, the parish leadership team have been reading this book with other books this past year, and this um, program we're starting with you is the most immediate fruit of what we've been reading. Rebuilt um, has as its kind of primary pastoral strategy in their parish, discipleship groups. Um, Rebuilt is a book that has been doing the rounds for at least five years now. Um, it's written models on a parish where they went from having 3,000 people at Sunday Mass to 9,000 people. Um, and they describe how they did that and how you can do it in your parish too kind of thing. Um, so we're taking this as our lead. They have various resources um, on discipleship. So we've got a series of eight sessions on discipleship. Um, that on one level will introduce us to the theme of discipleship. Potentially, this can be the start of a, an ongoing every week um, meeting of groups, or we can kind of run this introductory series of sessions as a thing in itself. We'll kind of see what the take-up and interest level is um, as we go along. Um, so in their programme, the format is every week there's um, a, about a 15-minute video uh, and then discussion questions to focus you on that. That parallels the readings at the Sunday Mass, um, but all with a discipleship focus. Um, and I thought that before we actually launch into those series of films, it might be useful for me to just give... So I'm going to go do two weeks with you, just trying to introduce some of the themes of what it means to be a disciple and why this term disciple is um, being used. Um, anyway, so to recap, what's the kind of structure ahead? 20-minute um, films so that the first series we've got are slightly longer because they're introducing the whole thing. 30-minute discussion questions, and it's structured around regular groups. Um, between now and Christmas, six foundational topics, but if we wanted, it could go on forever. Um, and the aim is a regular group, that you'd form a group, that you'd get to know each other, that you'd be comfortable with each other, comfortable talking to each other, because uh, discipleship is a lot about your life and your living. So being with people that you have come to know well enough to do that is important. So this week, next week, two kind of introductory weeks in which I'm going to aim to talk through with you some things. So in that picture, you have an image of what discipleship is. You have the master and you have the disciples gathered around him. And who are the disciples looking at? They're not looking out the window. They're not looking at each other. They're all looking to the master. They all want to be taught by the master. And that relationship with the master is the key thing with a disciple. 
So I'm pretty sure all of us growing up would have been taught to call ourselves Christians. We probably weren't taught to call ourselves disciples. And yet the word in the Gospels that we read is disciples. And it's being kind of returned to in a lot of circles as a useful focus for us in our era to re-kind of crystallise what it is we're doing, that almost the word Christians kind of almost become empty. The disciple gives us an idea of what we need to do to be living with him, patterned on him, looking to him. So, I've said there there at the bottom, a rediscovered paradigm for being a Christian, a paradigm being a model. What does it mean to be a Christian? This word, this concept of disciple kind of shows us. Three things I've said here to summarise. One who learns from his master. One who is trained by his master. And one who is in a personal relationship with his master. So the personal relationship You and the master, it's important that you know him, that you trust him, that you look to him with confidence. Um, If you don't, then you're not his disciple. You're just kind of hearing a bit of what he says at a distance. Trained by the master, that it's about living in particular. Um, And you learn from him. So there's a teaching, but a teaching with a practical focus. Now let's make a comparison. Can you all see the image of this guy at the top here? Yes, this was Sunday Mass last week. Uh, So he might be at Mass every Sunday. He's attending, he's there. Um, He doesn't look very engaged though, does he? So an attender, in contrast to a disciple, wouldn't be committed, wouldn't submit his thinking to the master. He's kind of there, he has turned up, but whereas the disciple is looking to the master, committed to the master, wants to absorb all the wisdom the master has, an attender wouldn't submit his thinking to the master wouldn't submit his lifestyle to the formation of the master. And if he's asleep there in the pew, he's not really in any substantial relationship with the master. So, an attender. Um, That's what we don't want to be. So, we need to ask ourselves, if I'm going to be a disciple... Do I actually want to be taught? Do I want to change what I currently think to whatever, at an ever more deeper level, he says? Do I want to be trained and changed? Is my lifestyle such that actually I don't really want anything that's going to disrupt this? I don't want to change? Or do I forever, always want to change? And do I look to the Lord in such a way, am I close enough to the Lord in such a way that I can, in that relationship, be changed, be formed? 
So I put there, do I want to be radicalised? So the word radicalised is used of Islamic terrorists. Um, but they are people who have been changed at their roots. Well, actually, we should want to be changed at our roots. Uh, the thought of, in a sense, going away and coming back a different person changed at the root. Well, actually, that's what we should want with the Lord. Okay, blank screen meaning change of focus. So here we have, you probably might remember my sermon about a month ago, I talked a lot about the athlete and the coach. And that's going to be our main focus tonight as an image of discipleship. And I said that there's not a single top athlete who doesn't have a coach. So if you want to win, you want someone to teach you to win, to train you to win. Um, you want someone who's already done it before, who's got advice to give, training to give, wisdom to give. I've said that we're running in a much more important race than just getting a gold medal. Um, so it's all the more important that we need to want to have a coach. So two models of a disciple, the coach and the athlete and the soldier and the drill sergeant. So both of these images we find in St. Paul's letters, in particular in the New Testament. Um, so I've given sermons on both of these in recent weeks. Um, both involve training, both involve change. Um, just to quote a couple bits from the epistles on this. So first, from Corinthians, do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. So you can't be a disciple without wanting discipline. Discipline in that sense of training, a pattern of life. The soldier, so to Timothy, be a good soldier of Christ. Ephesians, put on the armour of Christ. Um, you can't be a soldier without training. You can't be an athlete without training. If you want to be either, you want someone who's going to train you. So now I've got a series of slides in which I want us to think through what it is that a coach does for the athlete and in parallel with that, what Jesus does for his disciple and therefore what we need to be kind of being clear in our thinking, our living, that we're looking to him to give for us. So the coach points to the goal, a goal somewhere in the distance. So both of these images, they're looking far away. They're looking in the distance. That, that thing you're running towards, it's not here. It's not right now. It's not easy. It's over there. That's where you're wanting to go. And if you're training them, there's... You know, you might be useless at running now. You might have lost the last race. But this is how we're going to train you, form you, so that you will get there. So one of the things you want the coach to give the athlete 
is to point out the goal, to show them the goal. If you don't know the goal, you can't have a vision of how to get there. So this is one of the crucial things a coach needs to give the athlete. Well, what does Jesus give us? Well, that's a vision supposedly of heaven. Google heaven, that's what it looks like. Um, And Jesus says, among the many things he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He has laid out for us the goal. In one sense, the ultimate goal, but he's also lots of goals on the way to get there he's described for us as well. So if the coach gives the athlete the goal, Jesus even more crucially gives us the eternal goal. I said models the goal. So Mo Farah's nearing the end of his active career, he will presumably be training others, yes? He will become a coach to others. And he will be able to point, in a sense, to his own victory and say, you want to win? And he kind of embodies victory, embodies the goal in himself. The Lord Jesus, so this is an image of his um, transfiguration, um, I'm not sure whether it's transfiguration or ascension, but um, it's a vision of him in glory. So Jesus in himself, God taking flesh, has shown us the goal in himself. He models the goal. So he's not just pointing to the goal far away from him. He's also pointing to himself, showing us the goal. And if a coach is going to be able to encourage an athlete, that's a powerful way of making the goal look workable, possible. To say, look, I did it, you can do it too. Um, Jesus has shown us the goal in his very self. So when he promises us glory, when he promises us grace, when he promises the Holy Spirit working within us, all of these things have been shown forth in himself. Okay, I struggled to get an image to kind of express this. Modeling the way. So the coach doesn't just show the goal and the distance, but he also shows how to behave on the way getting there. So the coach will not only tell the athlete to go running, but the coach, the athlete will see his coach running himself being fit himself, modelling in his own behaviour the way to behave to get to the goal. The Lord Jesus did many things in his life. So there he is reaching to, uh, I think that was one of the blind when he's reaching to um, touch and heal him. Jesus in his behaviour, reaching out to the needy, reaching out in love, reaching out in mercy, He, in his own behaviour, not just shows us the end goal, glorified, but shows us how to live now in getting to the goal. So models the way, doesn't just model the goal. Okay, method. So 
the coach needs to teach you methods for how to win. So here we have an image. You know, there's a skill for how you're going to shoot that ball. There's a, tr a way to train somebody to do it well. That's what the boy there is needing from his coach. And that's what the coach is supposed to be able to give him. Mother Teresa would be one of many saints we could look to who model for us in concrete behavior, in a sense, the method. What does it look like to be loving? What does it look like to care for others? There are methods to be trained in um, that we can be given, that we need to be given. Then teaching. So the coach has to teach the athlete. Um, so somebody here is being taught how to swing the bat. In the Gospels, time and time again, Jesus taught. Um, and that first image of the disciples I showed at that very first screen was the disciples gathered around and Jesus teaching them. So in a sense, what's lacking in that image is movement, because it's very static. They're just sat there doing nothing, staying put. So they do need to be taught, but the kind of purpose of the discipleship aspect of teaching is something that's going to change your life. Training, as in discipline. But the teaching this is what the coach gives the athlete. This is what Jesus gives us. And we need to look to him to give us. Okay, something else, promising the reward. So Jesus said, one time your reward will be great in heaven. Another time your father who sees in secret will reward you. Time and time again, Jesus doesn't just, in a sense, show us what to do, doesn't just tell us what to do, but promises a reward for doing it. Um, the athlete needs the coach, in a sense, to say, yes, this is hard, yes, you need to do this, but there's a reward. Um, so the coach needs to promise a reward to the athlete. And Jesus, in parallel, he promises a reward to us if we accept the training, if we accept being his disciple. Can you all read this? Uh, I wish everything was as easy as getting fat. Um, we need to be warned of pitfalls. So the coach needs to train the athlete of things he can do wrong, to warn him, okay, well, if you stay up all night drinking, uh, eating, uh, you're not going to be able to run in the race tomorrow. Um, you need to be warned of pitfalls on the way. Then I've got a quote here, kind of in parallel. When Jesus warned Simon Peter before he betrayed, denied him three times, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. That Jesus warned Peter. Jesus warns us. Um, and there's a type of practical warning of how things can go wrong in the following of the Lord and being trained by the Lord. We need to be given that as well not just to see the goal, not just to see how to get there, but what can go wrong on the way to getting there. Suffering. 
I said, the coach gives his trainee suffering. So see this image here of soldiers in training, they are suffering. Um, I've never been to boot camp, but um, I gather it is a place of suffering. Why are they suffering? They're suffering for a goal. Uh, but this is part of what the coach gives the athlete. He gives him suffering. Um, but a suffering that has a purpose, that does do something, that does take you somewhere. Well, similarly, Jesus says, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So Jesus likewise gives us suffering, suffering likewise that does have a purpose, that as the cross was his pathway to glory, if we embrace the cross, it will likewise for us be a pathway to transfiguration and change. So he also offers us suffering as a coach, offers his trainee suffering. Okay, motivation and encouragement. So there you have a locker room. What's the coach doing? He is gearing them up, getting them ready to go out, uh, play to win. Um, motivation and encouragement is part of what a coach gives to the athlete. There's also less pleasant motivation you can get. Yes, I don't know if you remember some like it hot, for the, not for the younger ones among us, but um, the drill sergeant um, shouting um, at the privates. Um, that is a different form of encouragement. Yes, um, but is needed in some way as well. And when I was thinking this through, the Lord Jesus, when he speaks, warns us of hell. There's a different sense where he gives us the shouting side of motivation as well. Um, as well as a consoling and encouragement. So come to me, all you who are weary. So the image there of... Um, the woman caught in adultery and the other of the woman at the well, many occasions in the Gospels where he reaches out to the outcast, reaches out to the weary, the needy, encourages, lifts up. Um, this is part of what the coach does for the athlete. This is part of what the Lord does for us and what we need to look to him to do for us. Okay, so summarising all that together, what does a coach do for an athlete, points out the goal. He models in himself what victory looks like. He models the behavior you need to live on the way to the goal. He promises the reward. He trains in methods. He teaches knowledge, warns of pitfalls, brings suffering, but also motivation and encouragement. And if you put it all together, he's giving a way to live. This is what the disciple needs to look to from the master, a way to live. So if I am fixed in my way of living, then I can't have Jesus as my master. I can't be his disciple. I have to always be ready, wanting to change, if I'm going to be his disciple. What I am, what I could be. Um, so there's an image of the transfiguration in glory. Um, there's a slug. 
Um, I have to, there's a vision, it's possible to change. However lowly I feel myself to be now, I can, in union with him, be something glorious. And discipleship is about how to get there. And the way to get there isn't easy. It involves the cross. To come back to that early slide, there isn't a single top athlete who doesn't have a coach. If I want to get somewhere else, I need a coach to get me there. So final couple slides on a different question. Um, If we need a coach, we need to find the coach. We need to find Jesus. We need to meet the Lord. And we need to think, where am I going to meet him on an ongoing basis? If if all of this that we're saying we need to be his disciple, where am I going to get that? Well, I get it in the reading of the Bible. I get it when I pray. I get it in the sacraments. I get it in the church when I look to the models of the saints and the others um, that have shown before me in the centuries how to live. That these are kind of for the pivotal, but just for ways that we meet Jesus today. I need to want to meet him today if he's going to be the one who disciples me. So in prayer, reading the Bible, the sacraments, and the lives of good Christians. And all of that is the church. And the church exists in order that we might meet Christ. That Christ isn't just somebody 2,000 years ago. He isn't just a vague spiritual presence. He is incarnate. And he's in his church founded his church so that he could be with us still today. So kind of putting that together, um, I need to be being formed and trained by the Lord Jesus in continual repentance with confession. I need learning from him in the Bible and the catechism. And I need to be in a relationship with him in prayer and in the sacraments. I said... Formed, learning, relationship, these are the three things I pointed out at the beginning that the disciple needs. So, to summarise that, what I've been saying. We don't want to be just an attender. We don't want to be there, but not really engaged. Discipleship is, um, I said, a rediscovered paradigm for being a Christian. In all things, looking to the man. One who learns from the master, is trained by his master, and is in a personal relationship with his master. All right, so that's...